Okay. Well, I was very pleased to see the ministry and just want to keep declaring, keep reminding you, <clears throat> don't just come to church, but be conscious that the body is gathering. And if we can transition into some expectation about everything and anything that can happen. Thanks, Rob. As long as the Lord's moving, I wouldn't even mind some chaos. Usually would be that way. It's like, Pastor, what are you asking? <laughs> Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. This uh, should be uh, a familiar passage to many of you um, in the uh, the New King James, the King James Version. Um, it's the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And um, <clears throat> for some reason, uh, I was drawn, like something drew me back to this scripture, and I um, sat and um, I, I don't want to say the word study. I mean, it's that, but... Um, when I'm sitting before the Lord with these things, I'm interacting with him about it. That's my time. And then looking up scriptures. But it's, um, I'm going to make a big emphasis today about relationship with the Lord. And last week I talked about, um, ask the question, what are the terms of your relationship with the Lord? What are the terms of covenant with you? So, in the Old Testament, the Lord lays out the Ten Commandments, for example. Keep these. Don't be immoral. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal. Don't, you know, cheat. Don't keep the Lord holy. Like, those are like the, the terms of the, of the covenant. So, Jesus came not to abolish that. He left it in place, actually. He fulfilled it. That's important. He fulfilled that. So when we come to Jesus, when we give him our lives, when we're born again, born of the Spirit, it would be good for you to think of that as a marriage or wedding ceremony where you say, I do. Right? Right? Come on your own volition. You come into this moment whether where it's just like that. It's just like that. To Jesus, do you take this woman, imperfect as she is, the church, you, the individual, to be your beloved? He's like, oh, yeah, I've taken care of all of that. I, I, I choose her. He chooses us. He chose us. Now it's our turn. Do you choose this perfect husband? Kind of hard to live up to this guy. But do you choose this perfect husband who loves you like no one has ever loved you before to enter into covenant with him, to walk with him the rest of your life and to be with him forever? If you believe in him, you receive eternal life. Good deal. Come what may, at the end, bing, you get the golden gates. You get the eternity in pleasure, eternity in that place. If we went to a wedding, and we all have gone to weddings, and uh, there's a ceremony, and sometimes they can be very elaborate, and sometimes they can be very simple, doesn't matter. Ceremony is a ceremony, isn't it? 
And especially when you see a couple that's invested a lot and they put a lot into this and they're all dressed up and they do special things that go on a special honeymoon. And then you call them a year later. Hey, how's it going? How's your husband? How's your wife? Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen, I don't, you know, we, we don't live together. They're in this state and I'm in this state. We call on the holidays. And if I want to know more about that person, I just read a book. I read, you know. I let somebody else tell me about who she is. I let somebody else tell me about who he is and what he's done. He seems like a pretty good guy. But no, no interact, no. Would you go like, what are you doing? That's not relationship. That's like. And when we come and we choose the Lord and then. The relationship, the relationship part of it, you may not have even sinned or fallen away. But I, I, I'm, just so, I'm just so aware of this. You will feel it if your relationship is, and he'll be kind of quiet. Doesn't come tearing down your door. He's like that. You, it starts with an excuse. I don't have time for you, Lord. I don't have time to pray. I don't have to, time to read. I don't have time to, to do some things that I know are good in, in my relationship with you. And, and like some couples that have been negligent to work out the terms of their relationship, they can have a lot of troubles. And even then, when you work them out, it can be hard to live with this person anyways, right? Hard to work out the details. And, and so it is with the Lord. But I want to really bring your attention to this. This is a relationship and has nothing to do with rules and regulations and keeping things and not keeping things and measuring up and adding up. I mean, it does at the onset. But if you don't have relationship, that stuff just doesn't matter that much. I'm telling you. And I'm going to step out and say... This is very important. And, and so I set, settled on, I set on this, this, um, this scripture, and I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking about it. And in the Passion Translation, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink. I just love the wording of this. It's not a matter of, of, of food and drink. Now, we're like, What's the big deal? Well, in the uh, culture, the Jewish culture, and all the, this was a big deal. The law was really prevalent in their lives. They lived by it. There were a lot of them that separated them from other people. They were God's chosen people. They had, they had rules to keep. And then they added some more to that. Why would you do that? I don't know, but they made it even more complicated. It wasn't intended to be as complicated as it got, but they have their things, okay? And they're always fussing about washing the hands and the food you eat and the food you don't eat, kosher, not kosher, da 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 It was like, like a big deal, right? So the new covenant comes along, and Jesus like, listen, the kingdom, the kingdom is not about that stuff. Now, here we are in America, in our culture, our modern day culture, and we go like, what's the big deal with that? But we have our things that we have to guard over, and Jesus would say to you and I, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is not about how much money you have, what your worth is, how many investments you have, what your degrees are, how much education do you have. I mean, you can get the nose if you are uneducated and don't have a job that they respect. You may be very diligent about going to your job, but if they don't consider it a worthy job, you're like, you know, that's honestly, right? And we spend a lot of time with a focus on 
these things. And man, if you don't guard against your heart, you'll start judging people over the same things. There's things, you know, look at the car you're driving, look at the house you live in, look at, look at things and stuff. And we, we, we tend, if we don't, if the Lord doesn't watch over our hearts and the Holy Spirit, and we don't yield to that, we, we get all caught up in this thing. And, and then it shows up in church. That, that's the whole context of this chapter. Paul's saying, hey, knock it off. Stop fussing about this stuff. There are relationships at stake here. There are people's faith at stake here. Don't do anything that's going to actually cause someone to, to, be, to be offended. If you know it bothers them, don't do it in front of them. It's like it's pretty much what he's saying. But, but don't insist that it's okay for you to do such and such a thing. And, and they, they stumble. Now, that can get manipulative. So, and I've addressed that in the year, over the years. It's like, I, I really watch over that if someone's younger in the Lord. If they're just someone that's looking on me trying to get in my life, then I'm like, go pound sand. I mean, honestly, I do. Like, don't, no, don't put your stuff on me. But when you get to a place and you know people are watching you and, and, it, and it matters, like, you don't want to do something that just purposefully offends, like, you have, you have, it's like, why? Because these things, this is more important. And so this is, this is the context of him coming to this point and saying, so beware, pay attention, care about people. So he says, it's not about food and drink, but in, is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. So we, we step into the spirit. Here's what the kingdom is. Step into the spirit. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about eating and drinking. It's not about food and, and water. It's not about what you... It, it's about these three things. And I, I looked at... And I, I'm very familiar with the term. And boom, boom, boom. You know. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I rattled them off, you know. But it's like you stop long enough to go... Wait a minute. I mean, have you ever looked at... The word righteousness comes up a few times in the Bible. We come out of being legalistic. We worked hard at that. Because in church, you can get pulled right back into out of sin and then, you know, out of the, what's the saying? Out of the pot and into the kettle. I don't know, whatever. I can't, I'm, I'm not quoting that right. But you can get out of one problem into a bigger one, you know. Before you were a sinner, now you're legalistic. That's like, that's the certain death. So he says, in, within, in the Holy Spirit, is the word again, in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, period. These three things, and I, and I stopped and I took time and I began to, I went, what is joy really? I've kind of been um, often a big part of my life. I've been like uh, very low on joy. I began to meditate on it and I realized, and then this same James Koala, he, he, he brings this up after I'm already realizing something about this. And I'm studying joy, and he says it. He says, "Joy is a is a spiritual substance. These are the ingredients for something, and they're not natural. They're not this. They're not an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Even peace is not an emotion. You're like, And we look at this and we go, oh, yeah, here's what we should do. Let's, let's learn these things so we can, we can do these. But what do you do on the day that you go, I, can't, I don't know how to get this. I can't make this. I can't go to Dollar General and buy it or Walmart or even Home Depot. I mean, Home Depot has everything, right? right. But seriously, you can't buy You can't even suck it off of somebody else. Unless there's a spiritual impartation, there, there are those things. And um, I look at this word righteousness, and I read Brian Simmons' notes. And he's like, 
This word righteousness, the context of the passage and the Hebrew Greek, like looking at that, which he's really good. He goes, this is kindness in relationships. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How'd you get, how'd you get relationships into righteousness? Righteousness is all about rules, right? It's all about not doing the bad things. That's like, and I, I've struggled with this. I'm like, I know this got to be more to this. I, it's, I can't get that thing out of my head. To be a righteous person, like you don't have any fun, you're boring, you know, and you keep rules. I mean, remember, I came out of a, the church that had, well, my hair would be too long right now. It's on my ears, like, you know, and I do need a haircut. But anyways, besides that, off the collar, off the ears, if I do that, then I'm, you know, while we look at a picture of Jesus on the back wall in long hair, no shoes, robe, like, but he'd be kicked out, but was allowed to have a picture there. Oxymoron. But I've also learned this about my past. Be careful lest you fall into the same stuff that you didn't like when you were young. And oh Lord, I've had to deal with that a lot in my life. All of a sudden you're like locked into things and you realize what you've become and what you're doing. And so I looked at this and I look at the notes and righteousness is, righteousness is right living. Right relationships and right living. And when you, I just stay on, I've been on this a while. I keep coming back. I come from this direction, that direction. And I go, oh, there's, I'm really getting stuff out of this. And as I just looked up the scriptures and looked up the context of these words and looked up different things, I, I started to get a joy because I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking through this. I'm like, if joy is from the Lord and we'll, We'll look at Ezra and look at some of these uh, in Nehemiah. Then, because a lot of these things that I have, they go easy. It's like, oh, I have peace. It's like, okay, well, let's test what kind of peace it is. What's the source of that, that your thing you're calling peace? Well, I'm, I'm good. I, I got peace. Because this stuff... Is uh, it, it abides, it stays. It doesn't just come and go. Do your emotions come and go? So you say you have peace, and then you run your car into a tree. How's your peace? Or you balance the checkbook, or you got in trouble with your husband or your wife or your kids or something. You know, something went bad. You're like, oh, how am I going to fix this? Thing? Where's your peace at? If it's the kind that's from heaven, it will abide. Oh, you'll still feel the crash, but. That won't leave you. Same with joy. If you're you tapping into the joy that's from Jesus, then it's not an emotion. It's it's something powerful to the point where even in the Old Testament in Nehemiah, it's like the joy of the Lord will be your strength. We need a new kind of gym. The gym where you, you know, get joy. (laughs) Where you get peace. Where you get righteousness that is an amazing ingredient of the realm of the, in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can be very non-spiritual about our spiritual walk, right? Hopefully, I'm not alone in realizing, oh boy. And, and, and even as I approach the Lord, I struggle in my personal times not falling into that thing. And I start crashing in my, like, you know, stuff is coming at me. This is legalistic. What are you doing? Da 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 da. You know, and, I, and I, I try to move forward with the Lord, and the spirit of condemnation is on me so bad because it looks like. Religious activity, you're trying to earn something, like it it gets real confused. At least it has for me. And that conflict could get big enough, you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna go nuts trying to pray and sit and wait on the Lord. And you know, I'm I'm losing it, like I'm losing altitude. Instead Instead of getting more peaceful, I'm getting more anxious. 
And I had a moment recently with the Lord where out of this anxiousness, I said the word sorry, and a spirit just like, boom, stop. I mean, he just like stopped, like, don't. Enough, it start, I got tears. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't bring that thing in here. And it wasn't repentance. It was just like this bad feeling about my inability to connect, and I got rebuked for it. Uh, but it was sweet. And I'm like, oh, that's, that doesn't belong here. <laughs> that's not useful anywhere, actually. I mean, true repentance, you know you've done something wrong, repent, done. You don't have to look for it every day. Trust me, it'll, you'll, know. you'll know. Just go with what you know. Don't be repenting for things you don't know about. Don't make it up. That doesn't get, gain anything with heaven. But this thing about if you can keep your eyes on relationship with your interaction with Jesus and what, and then you're getting into the terms of, Lord, this was, you know, I developed, I, I came aware of these things because I was asking the Lord to show me what I could bring to the relationship. Again, dangerous prayers, you're like, in the sense that you can become legalistic in that. But I wanted to minister to him. This goes clear back to my times back in the tent. And I was really well on track taking time consistently, which is very hard to maintain in my little world. How about yours? Everything distracts, especially your, you, especially you. And to, to come into this thing, and that battle's always there. Is this legalistic? Am I trying to? But, but Lord, I, I want to bring something. I want to minister to you. And, and so I returned to this, uh, and only this time I realized how relational it is. That if I put my focus on that, and realize it is a marriage, Ephesians 5 says. I'm giving you some instructions, husbands, wives, but the mystery is this is Christ in the church. This is you and Jesus. It is a marriage. And if you want it to be full and connect, then you need to spend time and sit and interact with him. And, and now I've been able to interact in a way I haven't before. And instead of trying to keep things out of this time and place, I, I bring them in right up to the forefront. Jesus, I can't even concentrate right now. This thing's going on in my... And because I'm doing that, boom, it just, he just, it just gets touched. I can't explain it. But I'm not trying to get it out. I'm just bringing it like, Lord, I, I, I got stung. I fell I, on my face, I, you know. It's a buzz, it's a whatever. And, and, and so it's been amazing if I have a couple of days that I can't like, but I break through. And it doesn't, I don't quit. I keep on. So Kurt shares this today. I'm giggling inside. I'm like, oh, wait till you see what I, I have to show you. This, it, it really, it, it has to do with relationship. Turn to Luke 18. If I don't get any further today than this, it's, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I'm reading this. I felt drawn to it today, and as I was preparing last night and today, and looking and meditating, and I'm like, I'm like, the rich young ruler, I gotta go find that. Uh, Luke 18, in verse uh, 18, is, should be in 22. Um, so the story starts in, in the book of Luke, because it's in Matthew, and uh, on 18 and this Jewish nobleman, this young, young Jewish, he comes to Jesus, calls him, you know, wonderful teacher, you know, what can I do to be saved, to receive eternal life? And Jesus gives him the keep the commandments talk. To which he responds, Oh, yeah, I do all that stuff. Now, Jesus isn't surprised, right? Because Jesus is never surprised. And uh, it's in verse 20, I've got a shadow on my number. It's uh, 20, 
One, he said, the wealthy leader replied, these are the very things I've been doing for as long as I can remember. Ah, Jesus said, but there's still one thing you're missing in your life. What's that? Asked the man. You must go and sell everything you own and give all the proceeds to the poor so you will have eternal treasures. Then come and follow me. Now, wow, did I have an upgrade on this, like, passage in context of what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking about the ways that you get joy, how joy comes and comes out of obeying the Lord, comes out of, of just impartation from him. And there are things that bring real joy. And he gives this guy instruction, and we're always like, we, tell me it's not true. You look at it through this lens, yeah, he needs to say, we say this about everybody's rich. Get rid of, you know, you give away all your money. Well, Kurt said, if I was rich, I would do such and such. They should give their money. Well, how about you give your money starting right now, you know? So we have this thing, you know? And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, rich young ruler, you got what you had coming to. You know, it's like, yeah, tell him, Jesus. Tell him to sell it all. Ha, ha, ha. We're going to watch and see if he does it. We're, we're pathetic, actually. Don't see the camel in our own eye. You know, we don't see the, you know, the thing in our, the, the log in our own eye. But listen. Jesus is giving him the, the, he's offering him a way for him to be extremely happy. Right, Kurt? You start giving this away and joy starts coming. A joy that's better than taking that money and going buying your favorite thing. This is real joy. When you've given, when you've blessed. Here, you want, you want to come completely in? You want a new life? Get rid of all that stuff. You'd be the happiest man on the planet. And then I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to make a proposal to you. Come and follow me. Come, an invitation, come and have intimate relationship with me. Here we are on this side of the cross, dying to interact with Jesus, who seems to be far away in heaven, right? Oh, <laughs> if only he'd walk into the church service and walk down the aisle, yeah? And here he is in the flesh, offering this young, young ruler best seat in the house, best situation, come and follow. The celebrities do this all the time. Hey, you get to be with me for a day. You win the prize, you know, right? Like, <sighs> if you can look, switch your lens from rules and regulations about what righteousness is and realize this was righteousness, the opportunity, the invitation to come. And follow Jesus. Be, you get to be one of the crew, man. You get to be one of the up-close, personal people. You get to hear his words. You get to see right from behind him what he does. You get, to, you get to get the rest of the words and the things that he says and how he reacts. You get to be with the life. And there's, you, get, you get something that money can't buy you. It's all about this. What do you value, what do we value and how do we look at these things? And some of the things we're, about, we're willing to die for, they're not that great. They do not make you happy. They can make you full of anxiety. Very frustrated. You think you have problems with the relatives now? Get very rich. Get very wealthy. I'm telling you, none of us, really, you really don't want that. It's amazing what it does. Oh, you watch it. You get to see it a little bit. It's like, oh, Lord. To have every charity on the planet start calling and reaching out to you to give to them and give to this and get. That's cute for a little while. It gets very taxing. We don't even realize how hard 
Jesus is inviting you into the kingdom. These are the elements of his kingdom. A righteousness has to do with, that is the ultimate righteousness, walking with him in an intimate relationship, a one-on-one relationship, a relationship with nothing between it. Now, don't you all want that relationship with Jesus where there's nothing that uh, condemning voice that's always, always in your mind to have it eradicated? We can be free. I, I'm convinced of it. We just don't go after this stuff enough, and it gets settled and gets set, and pretty soon we're walking around with a big hump on our shoulder. Where does that come from? Oh, it's this burden. It, you know, it was on the outside. Now it just kind of, it just kind of entered into me, and it's my identity now. I carry this. It's my cross. I know it doesn't look like it, but it, yeah, it is. And I love Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being ridiculous, but, but, change how you look at the word righteousness. It, it is this. And think about it. Does this not affect everything in your life? Is, it, is your life not full of relationships? And to live in a place where your relationship with Jesus is clear, clean, great connection. Don't you love? I love the. I love the newer. You know the new newer televisions. That part of them, even the newer phones, the the pixels, the the really good clear picture. And then you go back to the old. At some you know you go wow wow that's bad you know. I love the crystal clear picture. I do enjoy that. It's amazing. How about a crystal clear relationship with Jesus? Sell what you have, give to the poor, get happy, get get joy that, that lasts. I mean, I'm just speaking figuratively, but come and come and follow him. Because there's some baggage we've got to drop off. We've got to stop hauling around. And you come and you realize he's offering us life. Relational life. In, uh, let me go to Jeremiah. There's so much. Jeremiah chapter... um, 23 and then chapter 33. So find Jeremiah if you have your Bible. If you have a Bible that has Old Testament in it, Phyllis said, which Bible are you going to use today? I'm like, well, well. I said, I know it's tough. (laughs) Kind of crazy. Okay, here we go. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, 5. And uh, the branch of righteousness, of all things for Jesus, this is one of Jesus' titles. He's the branch of righteousness. And if you go to Isaiah 11, Jesus is, he's two things at the same time. He's the root of Jesse. If you look out at the, our tree out in the foyer, and for years, I needed to repot it because it was getting really crappy looking, but I didn't want to get rid of it. And I just, one of those, you know, I'll do it someday. And I'm looking at it. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to repot that thing. And, and, uh, and then I realized I just need to cut off the big branch, you know. So got up there, roped it off, brought in my electric chainsaw, cut it off, and uh, got some help and hoisted it up a little bit, repotted it, fertilized it, you know, set it back in there. And so it's a stump and a, and a smaller shoot coming out. It didn't take that thing any time at all. And I'm watching it, and I, of course, I don't like to cut things off, so Phyllis is even worse at me at that than me, pruning things. <laughs> Jeannie was helping us prune our, our grapevine a, few, a month or so ago. Like she just stripped it off. I'm like, I'd have never gotten away with stripping down the grapevine. It need, I knew it needed it. It was just a shaggy mess, you know. She says, here, cut this off, cut this off, cut this off. And I'm kind of standing back going, oh, Phyllis has got to be like. But she trusted Jeannie, and she doesn't trust me, and that's, I, I, there's reasons for that. <laughs> right? So we'll see in the spring if it was a good 
cup, cut or, or bad cut. No, I think she, it was good. And walk out there and look at that thing. I mean, it just started out of the stump growing like crazy. It's now like this, beautiful leaves. I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to cut those off? Like it's, you know, someday I'll have to deal with it. But anyways, I'm like, not right now, right? Jesus is both the root and the shoot. A sprout comes up, 11, uh, Isaiah 11 is very clear, clear about this, and I never got the picture till I reread and I was just looking at it and went, oh my gosh. Jesus is both the root and the shoot. He's at both ends of this thing. <laughs> That's kind of like, wow. So we're talking about Jesus, the branch, Jesus, the shoot. And it comes down to verse 5, and it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So he right, I wanted to just release a revelation to you about, the, about what righteousness is. And get out of your old Baptist mindset or whatever it is that it's only about rules and regulations and that it is, it is life itself. It's one of the elements of the kingdom of God. That right, rightness and... Isn't that sound wonderful? Right in relationships, kindness in relationships, having relationships clean and good, like, Wow. Who has that T-shirt? I'm good with everybody in my life, even, even the relatives, you know, that whatever, even, you know, even my mother-in-law, even my, you know, whatever. Because it, talk to people. I've never seen such an epidemic of broken families. And people that just are uh, seemingly in impossible situations to resolve. It, it, we were... Why is that? Because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And this is very, very important to separate you in relationships. Why? Because it's, G it's kingdom. It's Jesus. He's the branch of righteousness. And righteousness and rightness in relationships is, is a beautiful thing. It's whole, whole and healing and healthy. It has life in it. It contains life itself. And there was another in verse uh, chapter 33, and um, I'll pull up and continue on this next week. 33, uh, starting in verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. We're watching this right now. So pray Pray for Jerusalem, because this is a prophetic word. I love some of the people that are just like, don't worry about Israel. God promised they are, they're going to they're make it through all this stuff. They have a promise from God. They have a destiny. And this is the name by which he shall be called the Lord our, um, she will be called, meaning Jerusalem, the Lord our righteousness. When they, once and for all, have, have a, uh, a, a, an encounter with Jesus, we may get to see that. I, as you know, I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to any particular part of end times because I truly do not know. And everybody's sure that they do know the things they know, but I'm just like, I'm good with Jesus, I'm watching, I'm ready, but I'm not subscribing. I'm just going to hang out because I see God doing a lot of things. I just don't feel it's time to leave the planet. We're, I just, we're not there yet. When we're there, I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be ready. I'm ready. So Jerusalem will be called the Lord our righteousness. You seeing how big this is? 
And if you can, if you can get a, a revelation of what righteousness is and the life that is there, it's like, yeah, yeah. And if you have that, you don't have to struggle with all these do's and don'ts anymore. I really believe if we get married to this and embrace this, a lot of the things you keep trying hard to stop doing, they're just gonna, you're just not going to have to do that anymore. We cannot live with dog chains around our necks. Here, I, I'm holy. I can only get six feet from the dog box, but I, I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't eaten any chickens. I haven't run through the neighborhood and destroyed the trash. I'm well-behaved dog. Righteousness, peace, joy, they're powerful. And if they come from the right place, we have the real thing, it, this coming and going thing is going to come to an end. We'll start walking in something, growing in something. And Jesus rejoices at this. We come in, we have it absolute relationship with him that when someone says you know are you living with your husband absolutely we're good we spend time every day every morning every night we're 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 one i'm one with jesus i have a living relationship not just a picture of a wedding ceremony let's pray father in jesus name I just thank you for your promises, your word, your invitation, the description of your kingdom and these elements. Three are named. And so, Father, let us have revelation about these things. Let us discover how to be impacted by righteousness, impacted by peace, and impacted by joy that we will be forever alive and vibrantly alive in you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is going to take a minute, too. I had a message prepared for the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And that was the day that the, the kids had done, and I didn't know, and they were doing communion. And then uh, we missed last week. So the message for two weeks ago was intended for you to today. It lines up with everything that's been spoken so far. Part of my relationship with the Father is when He instructs me to do something, I believe I have confidence that He's going to be with me in it and give me strength to get through it. And uh, so a lot of times Nick and I, we talk about what we'd do if we were rich or won the lottery. And uh, I said, I'd stand on the street corner and give out money. And as soon as I said it, I got stopped in my tracks and he said, you're rich enough to do that. So um, I made up a sign that said, need help? And I got an old hat from out of the laundry room, and I went uh, to an off-ramp on, on 77 and uh, became That's a beggar. Great. That is great. And uh, I learned a couple lessons that day. And the first lesson is how joy and pain can really be intertwined. And I'll, I'll start with the joy part. It was so cool the, <laughs> to be able to, to pass money out to people and to the, uh, their reaction, the look of surprise. I like to put myself in a position where I've never seen something before, and th this was it. Uh, people, you know, shocked in a, in a good way. And uh, so a, f a few young guys had, had, had stopped, and, and, the, and the first guy, you know, he, he leans on his, uh, on his armrest and looks out the window, the biggest smile I've ever seen, and he said, no way. No way, dude. And, uh, and I said, yeah, way. And I handed, I handed him the money. And I had, to, I had written out these scripture cards. Um, so I had a, a pocket full of like 10s and 20s in one pocket. And in this other pocket, I had these scripture cards. 
and it was a Proverbs 19:17 that says, if you give to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord and he yep. will repay you. Yeah. And so I handed that out with the money and it was so cool. And then the, this second guy and, and the, you know, people, they were just not expecting this, obviously. So the one guy, he like rolls down his window and he doesn't even want to look at me. Nobody does. And, uh, and he says, come on, bud, the light's about to change. <laughs> He's holding a couple bucks out the window. So I hustled over there and uh, I said, no, I'm not taking money today. And, and, I, and I gave him my money. And by this time, the light had changed, and the people were blowing horns. And, and this was on the off-ramp uh, on 13th Street by, by Mercy Medical Center. And, uh, and there's a bridge when you turn left. So he, drive, he keeps his window down, and he's driving, turning left, under the bridge, still looking at me. And he's going, this is awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, one, one of the guys argued with me, and he said, Man, I, this is cool, but I, I don't need money. And I said, neither, neither do I. But the Lord told me anybody that was going to stop to help, I was to give this uh, blessing. And he said, well, I'm going to give it to somebody else. And I said, you, you know, it's yours to do with as you please. Uh, an older lady had stopped, and, and this is pretty rare, too. Uh, not Well, she was just speechless. I mean, you know, the jaw kind of dropped. She didn't say a word. She just stared at me, and I, and I gave her. So I had these encounters that were just really cool and full of joy. Uh, all these things, again, the cars were basically moving, and I had a few seconds with each one. I think this, um, this period of joy, I would say, lasted at most 40 seconds for all the encounters that I have. And now I'll talk about the pain, which lasted uh, about two hours minus 40 seconds. And the first thing, if you remember back to Thanksgiving, uh, it, had, it had snowed. It didn't snow this day, but it was cold and drizzly, uh, cold, a cold rain, and my sign was getting soggy, and I was getting wet. And uh, Pam had told me to wear gloves, but I, I was like practicing what I was going to do, and I couldn't get in my pockets uh, to get the money and the scriptures out with gloves. Uh, and so I said, that I don't need gloves, and I regretted that. My hands were freezing, and... Uh, I didn't get to go to the first place I wanted to go. I figured I'll beat these guys out. You know, they, they can't get up that early. And uh, the first two places I wanted to go, there was somebody there. We finally got to a, an off-ramp where I could, you know, and somebody had been there. It was all beaten down and there were signs stuck in the fence. Uh, but, and, and she's worried that, you know, some bum's gonna fight me for the, uh, <laughs> the place. And I'm like, I'm not gonna fight anybody. He can have it. You know, but I got to an open spot and then I stood there like a half hour. And I'm thinking, this isn't what I expected, Lord. I, I wanted these encounters, and I, I envisioned these things eventually that had happened. But I'm standing there a half hour, and uh, this, this is not working out. And doubt's creeping in. I'm like, did I hear him? Um, was, is he testing me? What is this? I was, I was ready to go. And then, and then so a couple people stopped, and I had these moments of joy. And, and, um, and then Pam would come by, and she's going, Get in the car, you're gonna get pneumonia on Thanksgiving. And I'm going, get I, I said, get out of here. I wanna stay out another hour. And then 15, 20 minutes later, go, nobody stops again. I'm like, God, send her back. I, I wanted to. <laughs> then it was back and forth, joy, and pain, and joy and doubt. This is only for a couple hours. You people that were gathered up here, I know you've had long battles that you've, you fight through every day. And so I don't, uh, I don't claim to be an expert in this now. <clears throat> but I do know that I did, I did have a piece. I was embarrassed. I had, you know, an HD supply truck went by when I'm standing there. My, it's my driver delivering to my customers. I'm like, I'm hiding behind my sign. <laughs> And I started thinking, who else is going to recognize me out here? And I'll tell you what I didn't expect. I expected some of this stuff to, be, to, to, to feel this. But I started seeing these cars go, but trucks mostly. And it was, it was plumbers, it was electricians, it was guys in garbage trucks. And I'm thinking, these dudes are out here working hard. And what do they think of me sitting here begging? I felt so humiliated. But I knew the Lord was with me. I, I knew I had heard him. 
I knew that he was for me. He wanted me to do this. I know that he loves me. <clears throat> and then I would have a testimony from this. And I just read something uh, from, you know, Johnny Erickson Tata. She had that, that swimming accident at 17 years old and she was paralyzed. And then at 60 or something, she gets cancer. And more recently, she, it's, she's 70 now and, and has had another, uh, another uh, diagnosis of cancer. <clears throat> and somebody had asked her, how do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with this? How do you get through all this? And she says, what good would my life be if I only trusted the Lord when I understood his ways? I don't understand his ways, she said, but I know he's with me. I know that he loves me and that he is for me. And so when you come to communion today, I want you to acknowledge that he is with you. Acknowledge his presence here at the table. <clears throat> we had a lot of people up here. If you are suffering, acknowledge his suffering. He was betrayed by his friends. He was beaten, tortured, and nailed to a cross. Acknowledge his love for you. We have these hands up here that hold these tears from the cry room. And in Psalms 58, I think it's verses 8 and 9, he says, I hold all of your tears in my wineskin. And if you call on me, your enemy will flee. By this, you know that I am with you. I want you to acknowledge this in communion today. All these things that we've been praying for, he is in this with us your loss, your health. We're going to be singing Emmanuel, and we seem to focus on this at Christmas time. It is God with us when you're sick and when you've lost your, your mother in your house. He is with you. And, and pain is a teacher. And we may not understand the lesson while we're in the class, but we're going to come back and we're going to thank the teacher. I don't know if you have enough strength to come to the table this morning and thank him for your, the lesson, but we're going to be thankful for the teacher. Amen. Let's commune with him.